Strut Nation, Teal Nation, welcome to this episode of The Strut. We've got Info Joe, we've got Travis T.D. Danley, and we're very excited to bring in Coach Kevin Schnall from our baseball program. Coach Schnall, by way of introduction, uh, you served as the acting head coach in 2020 when Coach Gilmore was out, but before that, you've been named one of the top 15 premier assistant coaches in 2018, top 10 assistant coaches in 2017 by Baseball America, same honor in 2012. You were part of the 2016 championship team, a part of 15 NCAA Division I regional appearances, three Division I Super Regionals. The list goes on and on. As a player, you were the 1999 Big South Player of the Year, finalist for the Rotary Smith National Player of the Year Award, and in 99 also drafted by the Cincinnati Reds, uh, Strut Nation, Teal Nation. Welcome, Coach Kevin Schnall, to the broadcast. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing to think that uh, this year I'm embarking on my 24th year as a college baseball coach I'm, I'm kind of becoming that old guy uh 21 we've been very lucky 21 of those years here at coastal so i've been with coach gilmore now for 21 years as a coach and i played for him for two years so 23 total years uh it, it's amazing that that it's gone by this quickly a lot has changed too, for sure i was gonna say yeah. a lot has changed and, oh, yeah. uh, man we, we you know just 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 think about where you're sitting at right now in the offices and the stadium that you're sitting at right now compared to uh, we reminisced a little bit as we'll do here, but uh, we'll coach Gilmore, uh, Chile and, and Joe know um, baseball operations this time about 25 years ago was in a single wide mobile home out there beyond uh, left field <laughs> across oh, yeah. the road from the tennis courts. So we've come a long way from that to, uh, to where we are now. Oh yeah. They were, they were the days. And then we actually moved to another one behind it, which was like an up, upgrade which was very nice and then we moved over to the football building so we've been, been around and obviously now we're over here at the stadium down the third base line you know overlooking the field so so we're pretty lucky we, we've got a pretty good view and we've got a pretty good over here now so coach a lot's been written about the team so far as far as like preseason polls all that kind of stuff by different publications but i just want to come to you with this question just to kick it off is as a coaching staff especially you since we've got you here how are you feeling about the season so far? How, how's practice looking? How are you feeling going into the season right now? We're feeling good. I mean, what, what are we? We're 10 days away from – or nine days now away from opening day, and, and it's probably a little bit coach speak. But, I mean, the focus is really trying to stay diligent in our one-day plan. And if we maintain that mentality, we'll absolutely be ready on the 16th for opening day. And, Opening weekends is going to be a, a challenge. We got George Mason, Indiana, Duke, all mm -hmm. three are, are um, regional teams from last year. And, and uh, if anything, we've looked at George Mason. Um, that's the only team we've looked at at this point. And, and they return a lot of people from last year's regional team. They have a, a really good pitching staff. They've got a lot of position players back. They stole a lot of bases last year. They do a lot of things offensively that can create some issues. So, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a, a big challenge. That said, we've got a good team, and, I, and I'm not going to hide behind those expectations. We're ranked inside the top 25 in every major, um, you know, poll, and deservingly so. I mean, seven of our nine position players from last year are back, um, and and we deserve that recognition. They deserve that recognition. So, you know, we also added some really nice pieces that are going to be really good players. Um, so it, it's it's an exciting year, and, and we should be uh, 
you know, where we're at right now, our, our team has worked extremely hard. Joe, do you have a question? No, I was going to let you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, so right. I was looking at the three teams, you know, you got George Mason, Duke, and Indiana coming up this weekend. All three regional teams, all three teams bring back an expectation to get back to the postseason as we do here. And it's a pretty special year. Coach Gilmore's last year. We touched on that with him in the last podcast. But also, too, it's a pretty special year because we have a lot of firsts, even with a program that has been successful. We have we got NIL baseball collector for the first time. We've got coaches last year with Coastal. We've got high expectations where we're ranked the top 25. We're playing teams like Indiana Duke and George Mason. Now, I was trying to look it up just now, but if I remember correctly, I know that Duke is ranked, Indiana and George Mason, they finished last year in the RPI top top 100, top 75. So you're already starting off with those three teams. There's Looking down the schedule, Coach, there's not a weak weekend in there, right? There may be some folks that are unfamiliar with brands that are on our schedule, right? But they, there's a reason why we play those teams. One, because they're early season Northeast, Midwest teams, and they're looking for, you know, sunshine states to play baseball in. But if historically what you and Coach Gilmore have done from a schedule perspective, you've put a fantastic schedule together this year with folks like Michigan coming down and playing Illinois. Of course, we got our midweeks versus the North Carolinas, NC States, the Duke, or not Dukes, but excuse me, the UNCWs and the Clemsons. And then the Sun Belt in general, series at Southern Miss, home versus Louisiana. We have South Alabama, Troy, apps and improved ball club. I mean, this is one of those years where the Sun Belt could have another top five RPI conference year, and then our schedule could be another top 20, top 25, create the schedule again. So what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to this opening weekend when you when you unleash these guys? like Coach Gilmore was talking about, to go out and have fun. What are you looking for from there? Number one, I, I don't want to take any credit for for our scheduling. I mean, that, that started with Matt Ho years ago, and, and him and Gilly um, basically spearheaded that, and, and they've been they've been very methodical and, and very intentional with how they do the scheduling, and, and really it's it's been genius. Um, and, and it's put our program in position to host regionals because of – the way that we schedule and and you know that's going to be a big step big challenge uh, moving forward with our scheduling to make sure that we are collaborating with matt hogue and, and making sure that we are staying the course with our schedule because that's a big component of us maintaining a top 25 type program with this team what, what am i excited about i mean truth be told is is i'm excited to uh to to be in the dugout and watch a Derek Bender, who's an All-American type talent, uh, day in and day out. Watch Caden Bodine, um, who, who's one of the premier catchers in the entire country, getting the front row seat to watch these guys compete and play day after day is pretty special. And then we've got some new faces that are going to uh, um, be guys that are going to be major components of our team. I mean, just thinking out loud, I mean, We've got a junior college transfer who's going to slide in and play third. Um, he's a tremendous player, Sam Ananachi. We've mm -hmm. got um, we've got a junior college arm from Potomac State, the same junior college I went to, uh, Xander Meckley, who's got a really big arm. We're expecting big things out of him. So there's a good blend. I mean, between our and then you know our freshman class, we've got ten freshmen, just four off the top of my head. Um, four arms, Cam Flukey, Oliver Ellison, a local left-hander, 
Hayden Johnson, and, and then Dom Carbone from New York. Those four, two lefties and two righties, are, are four freshmen that in the first two weeks of our inner squads have really emerged to be major contributors this spring for us. So those guys are as good as um, freshmen that we've had. Now, again, it's a different story in two weeks when it's a different jersey over there. There's fans <laughs> in, in the state in the seats and, you know, there's, um, you know, umpires and, and adversity sets in. But I can say the first two weekends that we've played, all four of those have responded in a really positive way. All four of them have emerged since the fall. Hayden Johnson was a little bit injured this fall, so we didn't even see him that much. But um, he's pitched very well, um, and, and he, he's got a, a very promising future. I mean, all four of them do, but mm -hmm. that's just four off the top of my head. Um, so th there's a lot to be excited about, but there's a lot of unknowns too just because there's no numbers to back it up. Coach, you just mentioned a name that uh, is going to be in the question that I want to mm -hmm. I want to post to you and kind of get your thoughts on. You, you're a catcher, and we have had an outstanding run of catchers, you know, <laughs> through the years. I mean, we have been so strong at that position. Caden Bodine is a special player. He's the next in line, right? I mean, he's the next guy uh, who is extremely special. What makes what makes him the player that he is? And do you take a, a certain amount of pride having you know that being your position? You know, do you take a certain amount of pride, maybe a little bit more like, you know, these guys are my guys that you've developed through the years. Obviously. Yeah. Very pride, pr prideful in, in our catching and, and our whole staff is at the end of the day, our catching is the quarterback of our defense. Um, so it's not just me. I mean, our whole staff is very demanding on our catchers. Caden Bodine specifically. Um, I mean, I've said this numerous times i mean he's without question the best total package catcher that i've ever coached he's a switch hitter he's extremely accurate thrower he receives well he's mobile um you know the biggest or the next step in, in his game is just continuing to control a pitching staff demanding more out of a pitching staff uh, but he's extremely bright. He's got a great demeanor. He's got an other-centered mindset. Um, he, he's not a look-at-me guy. He, he's just – he goes about his business in a first-class manner every day. He's a special talent. And, and as good as he was last year, um, expect a lot bigger things this year. I mean, he, he's a really good player. Um and then we have a freshman catcher this year is, is, is that, I mean, how many innings does he get? I, I don't know, but he's really trending in the right direction. And you look at a lot of catchers that we've had through the years. And I, and I think of a, a Doc Doyle. I think of mm. a Tucker Frawley. Um, this kid is ahead of where they were walking in the door. And, and these guys are wow. good catchers. I mean, both of them are top 10 rounders, Tucker Frawley and, and Doc Doyle. Bryce Eastep is strong he's got strength in the bat he's accurate he received the receives the ball well he's tough um and he's extremely hard working so i mean you're not going to see a lot of him this year because you have bodine and you've got bender but he's going to get innings and he's trending in the right direction to be that next guy um you know and obviously next year with Derek probably moving on to the professional ranks you know, uh, E-Step will be a next 
guy there to you know be our number two next year. But you know he, he's our third catcher. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, there, there's a lot of programs in the country that like to have him right now as their number one. And and interesting you bring that up, coach, is about the NIL piece. That's something too that has been an integral part and a mechanism to be able to retain some players. Um, and uh, I know we'll touch on that a little bit later. I know Tilly's got a question, but. I cannot – we always get a chance on our podcast, time, talent, and treasure to three Ts that ultimately help a culture and or a community that supports a program, be it football, baseball, or a university. And thankfully, the Legacy 14 Collective was established and set up to where Bodine and, and um, Bender and a few others were part of their collective. We're going to have them all later this year. But, you know, that's the thing is we can't ever plug that and along with the new NIL collective that the university – is uh, is bringing on for a full platform approach to to all athletics. To your point, is having the the resources to be able to do that. And again, anytime I can plug that as a former player to our fans, Joe Chili, the same way, we always want to do that. So that's how we can retain them, not only with great coaching and great assets and resources and facilities, but something like that. And uh, well, but it's, no if if you're passionate about coastal baseball and you have the means, we ask you to kindly donate to Legacy Fourteen. <laughs> Sorry, one of the easiest ways to order a beer, right, Coach? Hey, oh yeah, I don't even drink that much anymore. But every time I see a Legacy 14, I feel obligated. (laughs) Coach, we've talked about a lot of players so far about you know people we know about already. But who's somebody that nobody's talking about that may have a year that we you know get to know that player through the season? That's a good question. Um, Again, everybody knows Bender. Everybody knows Bodine. You know, Zach Beach is is. Mm been here for a while now um you know I, I really think i mean everybody knows graham brown and and for some reason graham isn't getting the attention of a guy that hit 17 home runs agreed scored 70 plus runs um drove in 70 plus um rbis um don't be surprised if he emerges to have a player of the year type year i mean he returned and he has um it could go like two ways, right? You got these fifth-year guys, you and you get Graham Brown and Zach Beach to return, and you know they could be a little disinterested, like, oh, how many times am I going to go over this base running drill? How many times am I going to go over, um, you know, sack bunting technique? And these guys have been tremendous. Their leadership, they're they're all in, um, and Graham Brown, in a positive way, is walking around with a little bit of chip because of the lack of recognition that he's getting right now. And rightfully so. Um, you know, if you look at his numbers, his batting average wasn't probably where he wanted to be, but if you put your finger over his batting average and look at the rest of his stat line, mm-hmm. you would say, I'll take that guy. I mean, I think it was 24 doubles, 17 home runs, 70 plus RBIs, 70 plus runs scored. So this guy's a run producer and a run scorer. Um, and he plays a really good outfield. Um, we're going to need him to step up and, and and steal some more bases for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like I, I expect him to, to step up. I've already mentioned Sam, you know, Dean Mijos played some last year, then he had a little mm-hmm. hamstring issue. He's played well, the, um, you know, since we've returned in January um, and, and we've been playing him a little bit in center field. He's played well. Ty Barango, junior college shortstop from California, has played extremely well. This is as deep of an infield that we've ever had. We have three players on our team that can play shortstop. And 
play shortstop at a high level. Mm. Our national championship team, we couldn't have said that. So our depth in the infield is as good as it's ever been. Ty Barango has had a very good January and, and early February, so he's coming out of the gates very uh, very hot. So th there, there's a mix of guys that, that are going to be good. But like I said, I mean, there's seven of our, our nine guys are, are returning. I mean, Blake Barthel, I even mentioned, I mean, this is a freshman All-American who's a professional left-handed hitter mm. who does – you know, everything that we need him to do to be the best offensive player he can be. He's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to drive in runs. I mean, he had seven home runs last year. I could see him hit over 10 this year. Um, he's just a well-rounded player, and, and he's sliding over to second this year. Um, you know, so I think that might help him offensively because he's a little bit more natural yeah. over at second versus at, at third where he was last year. Um so, I mean, we, we, we still have some question marks, like who's going to be our everyday left fielder, who essentially is going to take over and be our everyday center fielder. You know, we have a a, a transfer from, from Scranton, Corey um, Zientech, who's got tremendous tools, um, you know, but he's kind of battled some injuries. And he's, uh, you know, again, there's a transition coming from, uh, division three to division one. And I mean, he's going through that transition a little bit, but he, he's a very good athlete and he, you know, he's going to be in the mix when it's all said and done. It's just a matter of who's going to win the job. You know, I, I love hearing the fact that there's, there's, you talk about there's depth and there's, there's versatility, there's excitement, there's energy. There's some guys with some chips on their shoulder you know, that mantra over your left shoulder, for those that don't can't see or I know they watch us on YouTube, but that selfless, relentless mantra, that's something that's near and dear to coastal baseball culture and lore. Who who's a guy right now that I know all of them have this attribute because that's part of a character attribute that that you and the rest of the staff and Coach Gilmore look for. But who's someone that is man is is gonna really probably grind some things out for us? That's gonna just be a kid that's gonna grind out that, like you said, has it. Hasn't had his name brought to attention yet, but who's somebody by the end of the year, they're going to know his name and go, you know what? That kid, that kid's a real grinder. He's a Shauna Clear man right there. Someone, I could just think of countless other Shauna Clears from the years before the national championship to now that just become fan favorites just because not only their production, but they just grind, man. They just got dirt all over them every, every time they go on the field. I mean, I can name a, a bunch of guys, but the first one that comes to my mind is Sam Ananachi. I mean, he's a, he's a, a, a non-chrome guy. He, he's not looking at me. He's just a good baseball player, really good defender, plays extremely hard, will do all the little things. Um, he, he's fun to watch, and, and we're fortunate that he's, he's in our dugout. I mean, he had a lot of choices last year when he was in junior college, and he select Coastal Carolina because he felt how special this place was. And he selected Coastal Carolina over uh, a quote unquote power five programs. Um, and, and, you know, it came down to when he came here and visited, he realized this was the right fit for him and realized mm -hmm. how special this place was. Um, you know, and, and he's really come a long way since he arrived in August. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's more outgoing, he's more comfortable in everything that he does. He's going to have a great year. I think Joe or Chile may have had something, but it, yeah, um, I was gonna I had that limit unmute myself right there. <laughs> not, not not so much a question, Coach, but uh, just kind of a 
you know, I, your, your dad was great. I, I just got to tell you that, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he, he was, he was just, I never had, I'd never met him until 2016 in Omaha. And I would run into him. And he didn't know, he really didn't know me from Adam's house cat, but I mean, we would just, I would, he would, he, he would hit me with the best stories. I mean, I had like three or four times when we were out there and it was just fantastic. I, I loved him so much. And then I'd see him at the games every now and then kind of intermittently after that. And he'd, he'd always point at me and go, Joe Tashin. And I'd go, Steve Schnall. And we just, I mean, it's just the funniest thing. I mean, growing up with him, had, had, I mean, you know, just knowing him and all where he coached and what he did. I mean, that just had to be a lot of fun. Well, the truth is, is, I mean, he was a coach. He wasn't around that much. My mom was the backbone of our family. Um, now, my dad was my little league coach. And, and when he was around, he, he was coaching us at all times. He's, you know, I said a lot. He's the best coach I've ever seen. He, he's the influence that steered me into the coaching ranks. Um, I'm the coach that I am today in a lot of ways because of him. I mean, he's the one who introduced me to, you know, having – attention to detail i mean his his big thing was zd zero defects essentially essentially it's you know having attention to detail to everything that you do um you know he would have he would have you know he passed away last year before the year and in, in, yeah. uh, in december and uh he would have been really proud of that team last year just because mm -hmm. there were so many question marks last year nobody expected us to do what we did last year Obviously, as a staff, we knew we were talented. We knew that there was a lot of really good players, but there was very little um, experience, very little numbers, if you will. Nick Lucky was the, the most experienced guy coming back. So, you know, what we accomplished as a program and as a team last year was really special. And, you know, I, he would have really liked to have watched that because that team was, yep. I, in my opinion, was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they didn't lose one weekend the mm. entire regular season mm -hmm. i'll never forget um you know as a staff we're sitting around and we're looking at our schedule and we're getting into our conference schedule and it's like oh my god it's like six weekends in a row it's like this gauntlet and like how are we gonna compete right now weekend you know after weekend and our arms were with we a couple arm injuries and and we did we did and it was special that was a really fun team Unfortunately, you know, we lost that, you know, game seven last year versus Duke, but that team accomplished a lot and that experience should propel us this year in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. The, the one thing I'm, I'm going to miss is uh, I loved it when he had his, he had his towel and a stopwatch and he was going to yep. time you, he was going to time your ass to first. Cause if you weren't <laughs> hustling, you were going to hear it, right? Hey, yeah. you were going to hear it. And I, I I always, I always uh, admired that and loved that about him, and uh, and and also too, a lot of folks don't know, um, but he had some fantastic NFL relationships and experiences that I know that me being a former football guy, I mean, I was, I feel like a kid sitting on, you know, the, the first row of a bench at a little little league stadium, just listening to him talk about some of the experiences he had with uh, with some of those NFL relationships and 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 his involvement in college football. I mean, that again. Love baseball as much as I love football, but you know it, it. But it was it was always amazing. He always had a great story. Always yeah. had a great story. You know, it's it's tough. That I'm about to say this, but I actually, uh, you know, it's it's been over a year now. I actually miss his his CPs that uh, he would call him. He's a big acronym guy, but 
his coaching points. And I mean, I would get a text after every practice and some of the stuff you just shake your head, like, come on, like, you, know, you know, but there was a lot of things that you said, you know what? He's right, right there. You know, yeah. right. That, that, that comment is right. Um, and then sometimes it was just like, not today, not after that game. Like I don't, but I do, I, I do miss those because they, um, they help me grow. Mm. They, um, they help me look in the mirror a lot mm. and realize, you know what? He's right. That was my fault. Like we didn't work on that as much as we needed to. And, and because of that, we didn't execute it at the level that we should have executed it. Um, you know, if I could tell you Thanksgiving has been a little bit different without him there. Um, you know, I, Thanksgiving, he'd get on some rolls. You, you name it, politics, something. He'd get on some rolls. I've got some good videos, some secret videos taping him over Thanksgiving on, on some rolls. Especially, like, he doesn't he doesn't drink, but, like, over Thanksgiving, it's like, yeah, I'll take something. And, like, he'll have, like, three sips. And then it's just like, whoa, someone needs to drive him home. Y'all always had to be, y'all always got to be good in the lips. Got to be good yeah, in the lips. Late, good. Inning the late inning pressure situation. Absolutely. I heard that a Absolutely. million times out there in a while. It was hilarious. You know what's oh, great, man. too, is you watch those games. You know, I've got all the games, and, and you watch them, and, and he's like three, he's straight by an home plate, three seats up. It doesn't matter what game's on. He's got himself the premier seat. I think he's got our scouts ticket seats or whatever, but somehow he's in the best seat. He always found the best seat, and that was pretty cool. I mean, he was, you know, that was a little bit of a rough year. You know, we we faced a lot of adversity in 2015, 2016, and um, my kids after the LSU um, Super Regional, they were young at the time, but they elected, we don't want to go to Omaha. It was too hot at LSU. We don't want to go. So my wife and I were like, you know what? Let's take advantage of this. It's just going to be you and I and, you know, my dad's going to come out and my mom flew down from New Jersey to spend a couple days with the kids. She didn't realize it was going to be, you know, uh, two, two plus weeks with the kids. Um, but it was pretty cool. My dad was out in Omaha for, for that whole time. My brother flew out for the first two games, I believe it was. And, and, you know, they got a chance to spend some time together out there. Um, but it was cool. I mean, my, my dad was able to, um, basically you know be a part of that whole run in omaha and uh, i know that he really enjoyed it so i have a question about that particular instance coach you said he had a lot of cps a lot of coaching points so after you beat arizona did you get a text message about something you should have done different in that game in particular or did he just kind of go okay he won this one i'm gonna leave him alone this time after we won the national championship i think he finally realized well, no, I, I wouldn't say that because it was about five years later and he was still like, did that really happen? Like, couldn't <laughs> believe that that happened. Like, you know, how did you guys beat Florida? And, and, and you know, it, it's funny he says Beckwith. that, but Beckwith. no CPs there. I mean, he, he was in all, he was, uh, he, he was, you know, he, he was, he was ecstatic and, and he was proud. I can tell you that he was mm -hmm. very proud. But there was a lot of times that he brought it up, like just, you know, we're watching football at my house. Again, Thanksgiving and, and whatever, there's a college game on. And he's like, can you believe these guys won a national championship? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of like tough love, Coach, isn't it? 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, he, listen, he, he, he was a good dad. And, and like I said, I'm not the coach I am today if it wasn't for his influence. Um, and, and he is missed, you know, he, at times he's a pain, pain in the butt, like, like, like I am as a dad right now, but he is missed. And, and, um, again, like I said, I, I wish he was around last year to see that team specifically, because that team accomplished a lot of great things. Well, so coach, in your years of working with recruiting, have you noticed like a big change in how do you recruit high school kids mm, these days? Mm, good question. Um, I wouldn't say a big change. Um, you know, the rules have changed now in the last year, so it's kind of slowed some things down. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how that changes some things. Um, but yes, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a change in all kinds of in, in kids today and, and people today in college athletics, in loyalty. Um, at the end of the day, the best coaches are, are you know, adaptable. And, and you've got to adapt. You've got to be a chameleon. You've got to be willing to adjust your thoughts, adjust, you know, the way you've done things. And you know, that's how you're going to be successful. And, and I know that the staff here is embracing it. And, and um, you know, this this freshman class that's on cl on our campus right now is as good as a freshman class as we, we've ever had. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit different, but yet at the same time, Coastal Carolina is a special place. And, and I say to guys in, in recruiting all the time, if they come here and visit and they don't feel like they've died and gone to heaven, they're not the right guy. This is as good as place as anywhere in the entire country. Agreed. Agreed. I, I was thinking about, uh, but great question, Tilly. I was thinking about too some of those CPs, those coaching points, and and thinking about your dad, thinking about baseball in general. But Gilly Ball has always been synonymous with coastal, right? Hey, we're going to bunt, we're going to steal, we're going to hit and run, we're going to hit behind the runner, we're going to hit for power. It seems like talking about the the roster that we have now and the guys that we're going to put out there on the field, Kev, that. It sounds like we're going to be able to do a lot of everything, right? Not necessarily be perfect at it, but we're going to be able to bunt and run, hit and run, bunt for base hits, hit for power. I mean, almost like we're going to be able to put some five-tool guys out there consistently, you know, the nine or ten, twelve guys that we rotate through the roster. Is that the expectation? Because, again, nothing more exciting to me than bunt for a base hit, followed back up with a stolen base, followed back up with a home run. I mean, no pressure, but that's one of the sexiest things in sports, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look at that 16 team, you know, what was so great about that 16 team, 2010 had a great team. 2010 was really dynamic because you had mm -hmm. two, two elite base dealers, Enrico and, and Scotty. But 16 was was a team that, that, you know, they could beat you in so many different ways. Um, you know, Remillard, you know, led our team in drag bunts that year in 2016. Mm -hmm. Remillard's in the big leagues now. and. Um, you know, was one of our you know best power hitters in, on the 16 team. Um, th this year's team is going to be able to do a lot of that too. I, I don't know. I mean, we stole 91 bases last year, and we've we've got to recoup. I think 65 of them with with Peyton Eels and Nick Lucky. Um, so that's one area where we got to figure out like who who's going to take on those numbers. But with that being said, we return. 75% of our home runs, we returned 75% of our RBIs from last year. Hmm. So that, that's big numbers. Um, and, and we averaged 9.2 runs a game last year, which was like fourth in the entire country. You, you average 9.2 runs a game, you're going to win a lot of games, uh, which we did. Um, but but our, our goal always as an offensive unit is 
to be able to win versus a really good arm in a really big park on a really windy day, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We, we've got to be able to create an offense that can win multiple ways. And I do believe that this team will do that. And it may not be because we steal 100 bases, but we're going to be able to put guys in motion. We're going to be able to short game it. We have the right guys that can short game it. I can assure you Derek Bender's not going to bunt. Caden Bodine's <laughs> not going to bunt. Zach Beach isn't going to bunt. But we still have guys that can bunt and do some little things. That We are going to base run very well. We're going to be extremely aggressive on the bases. Again, that doesn't always equate to stealing bases, but we are going to be a Mm. very good base running team. We're going to be able to go first to third. We're going to be able to score from first on doubles. Um, You know, it's not like we have a bunch of slugs. I mean, we have athletic guys in this lineup. Um, We just don't have a prolific base stealer as of right now. Um, This time last year, Payne Eels batted eighth, and, and we didn't expect him to steal 44 bases or I, it was something to that effect. Right. You know, so you, you just never know who's going to emerge into that guy. But, um, you know, that's probably the one area on this offense compared to last year's offense is, is who's going to, you know, kind of absorb some of those stolen bases that we had last year. We were, we were 91 for like 105 last year. The most impressive thing is is the success rate. It was the the highest success rate that we've ever had, and that's that's important when you steal bases. Not just stealing bases, but what is your success rate mm-hmm. when you do steal bases? Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah, how has the uh, the evolution of analytics changed this game? Yeah, in, in terms of kind of what you do, kind of how you guys prepare. Yeah, your your in-game strategy, all that kind of stuff. How, how has analytics changed things? Listen, there's an influx of technology and, and analytics in our game today. You know that. Um, th- there's no doubt we're, we're utilizing it. Um, and and we, we'd be naive if we didn't. We've, we've got great support here. Matt Pepin is one of our uh, support staffs, and he oversees our, our, all of our analytics. So he brings us all the information um, and, and absolutely, we're using it to our advantage. But, you know, stats are, 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 are I was told this years ago, you know, it's, it's they tell you a lot, but they don't tell you everything, kind of like a bikini. They show you a lot, but they don't show you everything. Um, so everything is not about just numbers. Um, Yours is way we, better than Travis's word, by the way, Coach, when it comes to that same idea. Travis has got the famous quote. <laughs> But we like yours a lot better than what Travis uses. Yeah. I think he, he muted, muted himself, himself so we can't hear it. So he, it's even better. I, I, I said, <laughs> data doesn't lie, but it can be misdeceiving. <laughs> <laughs> to your point about stolen bases and, you know, things like that, it's it's how you put guys in motion. And, uh, um, but yeah, to your point, analytics, uh, forgive me, but it it's, it's everything and nothing, right? It, it it's all what it's like anything. It's like any other tool. It's like the baseball bat in your hand. It's only as good as you know the the practice reps you take to to perfect your your swing, not your you know not Kevin's swing, not Joe's swing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's my swing, and ultimately what you do within you know your hot and cold zones of 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 your swing and what you try to do and and things like that. So analytics are great, but. That's where then analytics can also, you can almost, you correct if I'm wrong, you can almost 
over-depend on the analytics and not let the flow of the game dictate some of what's going on. Yeah, I think that you're, you're seeing that um, maybe the, the younger guys, now that I feel like I'm a little more older, the younger guys are maybe um, relying a little bit too heavily on the analytics. I think there's a blend. Mm-hmm. There's a blend there. I mean, the, the biggest thing for 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 us, I, w- I would say for the position players specifically, is the technology, is your preparation for your opponents now is much greater because mm. you have – you do have more analytical, um, you know, numbers that you can look at and, and dissect, but then you also have more video to go along with it. Mm. So you can be a lot more prepared for what your opponents are going to try to do. You still have to execute. Like it doesn't matter. Like here's the two Oh fastball. Like you still have to square it up. You still have to execute, but I do feel like a separator for us is our preparation and we really dive into what the opponent's strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Obviously, we're always going to steer towards our strengths, but if we can exploit an opponent because they do have X weakness, I feel like we do a very good job of that. So, Coach, I'm going to hit you with one of the hard-hitting questions we always talk about with coaches on the show is, Travis kind of alluded to it earlier, so we're going to go ahead and get into this. We need to know what would your walk-up song be if you were a player today? Huh. Versus player back then. Versus player back then. Right, versus play? back now, then. Now, You're right. When I Sorry. played here back then, I, I could be wrong, but I, I really think that Matt Schilling actually picked out my song. It was it was Iron Man by, by Black Sabbath. That was it Ooh. back then. Today, Ooh. today, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit of like a clo- closet um EDM guy, so I, I would have something with like some music, some DJ. I don't know, a chain smoker, <laughs> chain smokers, Tiesto, somebody like that. I, I'd find something with, with a little bit of beat. I, I, I mean, I probably shouldn't divulge this yet, but Derek Bender, he's got a good vibe going on right now. If he sticks with it, he's going with Phil Collins this year. Oh, it's got a good, it feels good. It's a nice song. That's, that's always been one of my favorites. Ooh. Ooh. Gilmore told us last week that his walk-up song would have been Sammy Hagar. I can't drop 55. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I can see that. I can see see him slapping his leg to it as he's walking up. Um, I, who, correct if I'm wrong, um, who was it? Was it Chad Oxendine? He used to sprint from the on-deck circle to the box whenever he was playing. Him and Felty. Him they used and to Felty. literally sprint. Joe Tilly. They used to yeah. literally – they'd be doing their warm-ups. They, they'd drop the weight, the donut, the old-school donut, and literally would sprint to the batter's box and come to a complete stop and just kind of get it all laid out well and then go right in there. I mean, it was – I used to go, man, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know, I'm just trying to get my heart rate up a little bit, man. <laughs> Felty, Chad Felty back in the day did that too. I don't know, that's just their routine. Yep. So we talked about it a little earlier before we came on the show. In, hey, inquiring fans want to know, when a coach gets tossed, when he gets <laughs> running a game, what do you do, man? Where do you go? What do you do? Walk us through that, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, we're fortunate now with the stadium, with the setup. We got our own locker room. 
I, I don't get thrown out as much, or I try not to get thrown out at all anymore. Um, the umpire warns you that's it. I did get thrown out last year. And like I said, we got a great setup. So the game's on the TV in the locker room. You get a shower. You cool off because the umpire probably just spit in your face anyway. So you, you get a shower and and you just kind of hang out in the locker room and you're pacing back and forth while you're watching the game. And the game's behind the outside game. So then you hear the fans yelling. So you're like, what happened? And then you watch it. But you just go in the locker room and, and, and cool out a little bit. I think I got on the rower or something last year and tried to make my feel, myself feel better by, by burning some calories. What happened at Radford that one time? Walk us through that story. And then, and then Radford, yeah, that's a good that's a, that's a good one. Radford back in the day, they didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. I got thrown out of the game. Young, dumb, immature coach. And there's nowhere to go. So you grab your bag and you're like, where do I go now? And, and I basically walked all the way out to left field. I sat on the park bench watching the game from, from deep left field and just basically wore it you know, for the next two hours. <laughs> Did you have to keep quiet while you're out there, Coach? I, we didn't have cell phones, had nothing. Basically, just talking to myself. <laughs> Reflective <laughs> moments, right? Reflective moments by Kevin oh, yeah. Snow. <laughs> could be a great, could be a great book. I think Joe's got one. Oh, I'll, have you let it sink in yet that this is Gilly's last year and things are going to be a little bit different next year? Kev, I mean, have you gotten that far ahead in your thinking? I know that you know, and the, the next day is the next is that one day at a time, one game at a time. But things are going to be different next year for a lot of people, including you. Have you thought that you know, you've been with Gilly for a long time as a player and a, as an assistant coach? Have you kind of gotten to that place in your mind yet? I, I really haven't. And, and I guess it's kind of a, a good time to, you know, Andy Reid, for instance, I, I think of him a lot. You know, Andy Reid is playing in his fifth Super Bowl on Sunday. He's going for his third Super Bowl title, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Andy Reid was an assistant coach for 23 years. So, mm -hmm. like, I think it's mm -hmm. a valuable lesson where, you know, an individual basically was focused on just improving his craft, not mm -hmm. his title. And that was always been my mindset. Like, it's never about being – a head coach. It was always about trying to be the best coach I could possibly be. And I've got five more months at this point. I think that's what it is, right? Five more months at this point to be the best assistant that I can be to put um, coastal baseball, our baseball players in the best position to be successful. And that's really where my mindset's at. Um, you know, there, there are some times where I'm making notes as if like, Hey, I need to be, you know, wh whatever it is. I, I write mm -hmm. down some things that I need to have on my calendar or whatnot. But I, I really am trying to enjoy these next five months. Um, again, this will be 24 years and as an assistant coach. I'm going to take in these next five months and, and try to be mm -hmm. um, the best assistant I can be for Gilly. Um, and, and, you know, I think we should have a, a very successful year, which will make it even that much more special. You know, I, I've got one, one thing real quick. Thing. We'll, uh, we'll kind of land the plane here. And I want to finish with something that's kind of maybe food for thought, but I want to get your yeah. reflections on this as well. Is On the last episode, we had Coach Gilmore. And as we were kind of finishing his time on the podcast, he brought up something that I want to see what you think about. He said, end of the 
season. He said there'd be a lot of people willing to pay a lot of money if we brought Coach Gilmore back on the podcast with us and had what we were kind of calling the gilly roast, where former players, yourself, assistants, that kind of thing came back and just just had a you know free-for-all, a roast. He said we could make it adults only, that kind of thing. Um, how much would you pay to roast Coach Gilmore first off? And, wh- and what are your thoughts about having one of those things? And maybe can you think about – What's your story? Good. That's awesome. You know, that's you know yeah, what? You know what? It's just, it's, I think we, we should basically – we could get out like an email to, to all the, the former players and be like, okay, send that one line like – I, I'm gonna hang myself from the bridge, you know. Whatever, like some of the one-liners that came out over the last, you know, twenty-plus years, you could write a book on and be like, some of the stuff you can't even say today. I mean, he's kind of tenured in where it doesn't matter; he can say whatever. But there's a lot of things like I don't think you're allowed to say that. <laughs> but he, he's had some remarkable one-liners, especially after a loss. Holy cow. Some remarkable ones. That was a question I was going to ask too, man. Was, yeah. What can you remember? What, can, what give us a, give us a one-liner that is uh, somewhat PC for that, for our listeners that you could get away with now. <laughs> he's struggling. Man, to there, there's too many, there's too many to, to bring up, but I mean, the amount of times it was, um, you know, just he, he he's going to go back and be a teacher. He's going to quit this job and be a teacher and hang himself from a bridge. I couldn't imagine some of the nights him and Kathy had after a loss. I couldn't imagine. And he brings it up, you know, in a, in a laughing matter now, but there's no, there's nobody I know that takes a loss the way that he takes a loss. Even today, you know, I mean, you lose a baseball game. I mean, you're going to lose a game. And the way he takes a loss today, I mean, he's better, but it's still, I mean, he wears it pretty hard. That means he cares, man. No, that's, that's, that, uh, that's awesome. You love to see that. I, every now and then, uh, I didn't get to talk to him about it, but uh, as we, as Chili said, we're about to land a plane here. But I love when he gets a little frustrated now and then, he'll take that clipboard. That clipboard must be made of titanium because there's some times <laughs> – there was one time, even last year, it was a great year we had. I think somebody had run through a sign. They were still safe, and he took the clipboard and slammed it down, picked it up, and even though they scored, he was he was not happy that they had run through third, a third-base sign because to him, like your dad was, it's about doing it right. And, and, and but yeah. Well, he, he does a lot of good forearm fakes with the helmet or the yeah. hat. He'll do some forearm fakes with the helmet, the hat. Um, and he's actually even thrown that one a couple of times and the hat a couple of times, but he, he'll form fake it and not throw it. Everyone kind of scatters, but no, he, <laughs> like you said, it means it, it's because he cares and, and he's passionate about it. And, and, you know, our guys feed off that. Coach, we've enjoyed this time with you and we wish you all the best and we would love to have you to come back. We told coach Gilmore the same thing end of the season. Maybe you and him can come on here together and just kind of reflect on the season, you know, maybe go through some of the questions that we have. But we love hearing you coaches talk about your team and what y'all are doing, your processes and stuff like that. And we just appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Strut Podcast tonight. Appreciate you having me and appreciate all you guys do for Teal Nation. Keep it rolling. Man, appreciate it, Coach. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you, Coach. Good luck. All right, guys. Take care. So, gentlemen, as you know, I tell you what, what what an exciting interview, and you know, to have Coach Gilmore and now Coach Snall come on, and um, 
Coach Nall got a little more granular than Coach Gilmore did to talk about some of the guys. And I know that we still got to talk about a little bit about basketball, and we're going to talk about football recruitment as we wrap up the show in, in 54 minutes or less. But, man, I, I, you could could you not hear the energy and the excitement? Like, he was trying to contain himself a little bit, but he they know – they look. I see Joe and Chiller. For those who don't, you know, if you're watching YouTube, you can see the heads nod. You can see yep. the genuine like. We we got we got a damn good ball club, and we could do something really, really, really special this year. And that's all we're gonna say. It, I mean, did y'all get that sense? Because that's what the sense I got. And yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. The vibe from both these guys the last two weeks has been. We feel good. <laughs> you know, those we feel good. Man, they're not gonna come out and necessarily in those words, but reading between the lines and being able to discern body language and you know, other you know, the language is coming out of their mouths, not directly, but they feel good. And they all I do. Like and and let's hope this thing works out, you know. Let's get off to a good start here in about nine days or so. And I like how you know both Coach Gilmore and Coach Snall and I both went through and when they were talking about players, they pretty much can go through the whole roster and say, this guy's bringing this to the table, this guy's bringing that to the table, and, mm-hmm. and talking about just what our guys are have as a team right now. So, I mean, I feel like even though I know they know their guys, there's roughly nine days until the first game, but at the same time, they're speaking intimately about what these guys are able to do and where the pieces are fitting. And I guess from my standpoint, if I can hear where pieces are starting to fall into place and how they're – you know, working those pieces together, it makes me feel really good as a fan going into it. Going, we can expect whatever pops up. We're going to have something that can that we can use. Somebody we can fit somewhere to do something that can help us somewhere. I feel like I'm just I feel really good about it too. Like both of y'all reading between the lines, these guys both both feel really really good about what's about to happen here this season. You know, it's 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 um. I like what he said about, like, Chili, to your point, like, even someone like about Graham Brown, right? Like, there's someone yeah. right there, fifth-year senior, Zach Beach as well, you know, ultimately both got drafted last year, right, but just not drafted where they were hoping to land. So they got a little chip on. I like fifth-year seniors and, and seniors with something to prove, right? I like guys like that because it can match the energy level of, a freshman or underclassman or a new guy to the team, be it JUCO or transfer, like I've got to carry my weight. To his point, uh, with regards to Estep, I, I don't want to bring it up with him, but Estep being around someone like Bodun is going to make that kid so much better to see. Like that is a first class All American kid that does everything how it's supposed to be done with quality and intention. To have a freshman around someone like him and then ultimately like Derek Bender as well. You could, you know, Joe Chili. You could almost hear the excitement in his voice, like that kid's, like he said, that kid's trajectory. It, it could could be real fun and real special a year from now. And absolutely, you know, it's um. I know we're gonna get to basketball, but I, look, baseball, baseball's up in, in next Friday. We open up with George Mason at four o'clock at the baseball, the beach tournament, and then we've got uh, Duke on Saturday. That's a look. That's a that's a top twenty-five matchup right there, game two of the year, and that's a little bit of revenge factor. After what happened last year in the uh, in the regional at home, so uh, and then we then we finished up with Indiana. But again, all three of those teams finished. If I'm looking at this correctly, all all three of those teams finished within the top 75. Well, Duke and Indiana finished inside the top 40 RPI, and George Mason was somewhere between 175. And, and uh, so that's look right there's two two three programs right off the bat. But that being said, hey, where are we at with women's and men's basketball? 
tonight. So the ladies were just in action earlier. They had a six o'clock tip off at the HTC Center against Texas State. They dropped that one by three fifty-two to forty-nine. Checking the box score on that game, the very competitive game. Joe, I don't know if you got any of that too, but looks like the second quarter for our ladies hurt us. We um, close game, like I said throughout, but second quarter. Our team only managed to score eight points there. Everything else across the board looks relatively even, losing by three. Overall, the ladies fall to eight and seventeen on the season and two and ten on the in the Sun Belt. Texas State improves to twelve and twelve overall and three and nine in the Sun Belt. As we were broadcasting right now, and I'm looking over my shoulder. Forgive me for sounding different, Joe. I know you're watching it too. We're about five minutes. I've got it right up, well, right up in front of me. I got it on sixty-five fifty-nine. Yeah, at ULM at Monroe. We are battling in that one. It's a little bit of a sloppy game right now at this point because we're getting kind of close to the end. And there's a big shot from ULM, 68-59 now. But the guys are battling, uh, hanging in there against ULM on the road. Again, they are down by nine with about four and a half left. So that's where we are as far as hoops go at this moment. Well, some other exciting news today along with having Coach Nall on, talking about baseball starting next Friday with George Mason uh, at the Palace. It was National Signing Day, gentlemen. And let me tell you something. Joe's got a fantastic report for us. The, hey, the coaching staff did an absolute wonderful, productive job uh, in looking at the last five years' trends. It's one of the better classes, top to bottom, that we have put together, uh, be it high school recruits and transfers. And the transfer transfer – Bucket, if you will, counts true transfers, JUCOs as well. So Joe, Joe's going to touch on that. I don't take anything away from him. I know he's done his, his homework as he always does. Uh, but, uh, man, Joe, baseball excitement to now football excitement with National Signing Day. No doubt about that, Chili. We, uh, I mean, uh, TD. I got TD and Chili here. I'm looking at a, ba- we get a basketball game. A I do. I mean, I'm, I could be misdeceived sometimes by who I'm looking at or what name I'm supposed to be talking about, right? So, uh Today, we added 18 new Shauna Clears to the 19 that we signed in December. And it's so fascinating now that uh, the February signing day isn't what it used to be, right? I mean, with the December signing day and now with the portal, I mean, we had, um, just looking at today, it used to be all about high school guys, right? About what was going to happen with high school guys. How are they going to, who's going to go where and what was going to do what? I think we signed in this class this afternoon, or actually today, into this afternoon, three maybe from high school. This today was the day you announced your your portal guys, right? Your transfers that you can't really talk about uh, because they're not on campus yet and they're not bound you know, to the university like Coach Beck talked about today until they get here and they start talking. They start taking classes, and so we added eighteen, you know, to the nineteen that we signed in December. And we were gonna, you know, last year the number was fifty, I think fifty three. New Shauna Clears, in addition, you know, to high school guys plus transfers, and it's going to be more than forty this season. You know, and we're only talking about guys that we signed, uh, preferred walk-ons. We're going to have some of those guys as well. Uh, Coach talked about well, we met many needs. We could have two or three more scholars uh, scholarships available post spring. See how that works out. He guesstimated maybe five or thereabouts could hop into the spring portal. Uh, which will be April 15th through the 30th. And we could sign someone from there and have them from the fall. So, I mean, the work is still not done, right? I mean, we anticipate we may lose a couple, two, three guys at, at the end of spring. 
One thing he talked about today, too, was there, there are no assistant coaching changes to the full-time staff, which is kind of interesting, right? I mean, it's kind of rare this day and age that, you know, guys aren't really hopping around. All 10 full-time assistants will be back in those same roles as it stands today, right? I mean, as it is today, this, this you know, the staff stays intact, which I think is big for continuity. He talked about spring will be physical. Guys will be fighting through it. Who can do it every day? Uh, they'll be looking at those kind of guys, and they'll be stressing fundamentals and technique. And he even said that he's not even sure they're going to have a spring game on the on April the 13th. The spring practice dates uh, released this week, March 12th on Tuesday, going through April 13th, which is a Saturday. So they may not even have a spring game, depending on all the work that they can get done up to that. Uh, he also talked about NIL. Of course, that's the big that's the biggest, you know, biggest conversation right now. He estimates we lost maybe seven potential signees due to NIL that other schools, you know, were able to offer. We're also excited about the partnership with Altia Sports for NIL, right? I mean, Coastal announced that. You know, that's a big thing last week, and hopefully we'll get uh, our AD Matt Hogue on to maybe elaborate on this deal a little bit uh, coming up in the future. I know he was really busy this week, but hopefully we'll get him on to talk about that. He and, you know, Coach Beck and, you know, Matt and some other administrators, Coach uh, Pedersen from the women's team, they were all in Columbia, you know, to this week to lobby South Carolina for a bill that's hopefully going to pass that's going to allow universities to have more control over NIL and, and maybe bring it a little bit more in-house, right? I mean, that's kind of what they're looking at. So hopefully that will, that will, uh, that will help that situation and we'll see. Uh, offensive coordinator Travis Trickett, he got on for a little bit. He talked about Noah Kim, the quarterback from Michigan State, right? I mean, he was their number one target in, in, in terms of quarterbacks. We felt like we could go out and get, you know, Coach Beck, Coach Trickett picked out Noah Kim. He was their number one guy, and we got him. And this is a youngster who has vacationed in Myrtle Beach a bunch. So he's familiar with this, with this, uh, you know, with this area. He stayed through several coaching changes at, at Michigan State and just wanted something you know, a, a new start. He, he's a really you know, a big time competitor. I mean, he could have left at any time, had a lot of different coaches up there, you know, but he competed and he wanted to come here for a fresh start. And again, you know, you joined a quarterback room with e, you know, Ethan Vasco, Blake Boda, uh, DJ Moore, the kid that's coming in from, you know, the bowl school in Florida that we signed in December, you know, Scott Saylor, you know, who's coming on. He talked about him, the walk on from, you know, Carolina forest. I mean, you know, you have a really good quarterback room coming up and, uh, Springtime will be a time where they can evaluate what the quarterbacks can do and build on those strengths and see, you know, what they can do, you know, by the time fall rolls around. I mean, last season we played three different quarterbacks, three different styles, quite frankly, you know, and we won with all three of those guys. You know, kind of a testament to what that what their quarterback coaching, what that room is all about. And then, you know, Coach Dan Carroll, you know, an assistant, you know, he's the he's the co-defensive coordinator with the uh, with, with Craig Niver, you know, Coach Niver was with his son Gunner, who signed today with UT Rio Grande Valley. So, congratulations to Coach Niver and his son, uh, as he will be going on to, to you know to play college UT RGV. UT RGV. Yeah, I huh? think that's who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That's awesome. We we added a number of defensive linemen in this class, I and mean, he talked about that having to, to get bulky big guys. And we flipped a kid too from Louisiana who was at South Carolina State. He had committed to Louisiana. And we flipped him to us, and so that's that was a that was a big one uh, there to to get. We needed bulkier guys after losing guys like Michael Mason and Kennedy Roberts, Alan Henry, Jaquan Griffin. All those guys left. I mean, so we had to bring in some guys, and so we brought in some hosses on that defensive front. We lose J.T. Kellen in our linebacking core, but we feel good about you know Wyatt Getty and Trey Brown, Spencer Kishball. Those guys are going to be big time guys. And the McDowell kid that we signed in 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 December, he you know Coach Carroll likes this guy a lot. 
So we're going to be solid, I think, at the linebacker position. Might add a couple more defenders in the spring portal. And we felt like we needed to get bigger. You know, coaches felt like we needed to get bigger after actually seeing Sunbelt teams, not, not necessarily on film, but in person. And so I think, you know, for the second year in a row, they did that. And kind of my breakdown quickly, you know, in the two classes, you know, and, and they may move some guys around. And this is just me kind of spitballing here. What positions, you know, we got two quarterbacks, two running backs. We got one late this afternoon, right? I mean, who, yeah, you know, TD, I'll let you, you, you can call to you up for that one here in a second. But we, we signed a kid late this afternoon, five wide receivers, two tight ends, six offensive linemen. Most of those coming in the December class, four defensive linemen, like I talked about, two bandits, three linebackers, nine defensive backs in this class. Do you think right? that was an emphasis on something, Joe? Do you yeah, think? I, <laughs> Absolutely right, and then again a long snapper, and again we have some you know preferred walk-on guys that still have to get some things kind of you know eyes dotted, T's crossed, that kind of thing. But we'll have a, you know a pretty strong preferred walk-on class too. So great day all in all for coastal football recruiting, and you know can't wait to uh, get get baseball going and then get spring practice going. Pretty much kind of you know one month from each other, but you know March, early March, we'll be uh, you know watching what these guys are going to have for twenty twenty four. This is the first show we've had when we did three sports on at one time. Have y'all noticed that? Four sports. Well, technically three, but four programs. That's true. Four programs, three sports. Yeah. Four programs, three sports. And hey, it's it. What's that crossover season here soon? You know, when all when all the spring sports and the winter sports and some of the fall sports, if you will. What I'm excited about this class is, and let me give y'all a perspective. Again, data doesn't lie, but it can't be misdeceiving, right? So. Just to get perspective on what Coach Beck and his staff did through the course of this recruitment cycle. Let's go back to the Wayback Machine just one year ago where in 2023, the struggle was real, right? As the young kids say now, the struggle was real. And in 2023, our overall rank was 100. Our composite rank was 114. Our transfer rank was 72, right? Composite rank is the actual kids out of high school. The transfer rank is anybody, JUCO or portal guy, right? Just, you know, good old classic JUCO guy coming to you with uh, a year, two, or three, or a portal guy with one year, fifth year, senior, doesn't matter, right? In 2022, this is all per 247 sports, we were, our overall rank was 88. It was our highest composite rank of 69, but our worst transfer rank, 177. 177, Travis, there's only about 135 programs in Division 1A. They rank all Division 1 schools together. They do not separate between the two because you have the North Dakota states and the South Dakota states who can go and get a couple three-star kids that will stay, stay there, right? So they rank everybody together. To give you perspective on that, our 2024 class, the one that Joe just highlighted and one kid I'm going to talk about here in a second, our overall rank is 88. Our composite rank is 80, which is actually the second best overall composite rank we've ever had. Again, high school kids. But our transfer rank is 91. That's our best composite transfer rank, if you will, ever. So between the two, it's an 88 overall ranking. One of the kids that Joe talked about that was a late flip to one, the, the defensive lineman out of the portal, a kid from SC State, stayed home in South Carolina. That was a big pickup, but also Demarius Rucker, running back 5'9", 185. He, we flipped him, and I'm going to list some of the schools that he had offers on the table today at signing day that he could have signed with. Obviously Coastal, but here's the rest of them. South Florida, Crapalachian State. 
hit you late Ark State, Charlotte, UConn, FIU, FAU, Georgia Tech, Iowa State, Liberty, South Carolina, Temple, Tennessee, UAB, and Western Michigan. When we can, when we can go up against peer programs and what they consider P5 programs, and we can go get a kid like that. And mind you, if you get a chance, go to 247 Sports. We got five kids like that that have 9, 10, 12 offers from really quality group of five and power five schools. And I'm sure there's probably a kid or two that we didn't get that went to somewhere else. But overall, we've got five or six, seven kids that are coming in this class that Joe touched on that could be immediate impact players next year right out the gate for us. Another one, too, just to kind of highlight a couple of them was Julius Tate. Why is this kid important? We touched on him in the earlier season, Joe, Chili. Inside offensive lineman, 6'3", 210, from Greenville, South Carolina. He held offers from Coastal Northwestern, App State, Army, Boston College, Charlotte, Georgia State, James Madison, Liberty, Old Dominion, and UNLV. Again, going up against peer competition and winning that battle in our home state. Those are the small victories that lead to greater victories on the recruitment trail because we get into those schools. And again, there are five or six other kids that are very, very similar to this. And uh, to, to not belabor, do yourself a favor, go out there. Daniel Jones was another one. That uh, DJ Moore is another one. I mean, that DJ Moore kid that came in, you know, the, the, the offers he had just to quickly refresh everybody's memory, that kid chose us over App State, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Duke, Indiana, Louisville, Memphis, Tennessee, Central Florida, South Florida, Vandy, Virginia, Vautech, Wake Forest, and West Virginia. This isn't like a preferred walk-on. He was legitimately offered to be a part of their team. This isn't like a, hey, you, we're just kind of adding a fifth kid. They wanted him. Right. So yeah, we're winning those battles again to, to to put a bow on it here. So if you got your bingo card, there you go. We're firing back up football season bingo cards, but we're winning some of those battles. So when you look at that composite score of 88 overall between composite and also the portal, you got to give Beck and the boys credit, man. They went out and found some talent. We got bigger, faster, stronger immediately with this year's high school recruitment and portal recruitment. Go, go to gocsports.com too, and you'll see great bios on, on the December and uh, February classes put together by Rickson Lane. Appreciate his help today to track all this stuff down. Not, not John Barber, too. Nay, John Barber is the, the kid from South Carolina State, defensive lineman that we flipped yeah, in Louisiana. So it's always good to win a battle against, against you, La La. He, um, he came, I saw the uh, Go CCU Sports quick bio on him, Joe. He's coming in at 6'3, 310. According to what goes, that's a big boy. Says that's a big he, boy. He, he, he was he started at Newberry and then went to South Carolina State and dominated the MEAC there. And I, I I anticipate that he will dominate. He will dominate for us. Looking forward to him and looking forward to this entire class. Hey, real two two portal guys I want to touch on. That I you know one was an SC State kid, but another kid coming back home from Wake Forest. He could be someone that we talk about. Fifth-year senior, got one year, got something to prove. A.J. Williams from Bamberg, South Carolina. A little close near and dear to my side of the family. My dad was born in Earhart, as I was. And my brother, Earhart to Bamberg, is like Andrew to Conway, if not closer. So uh, he went to B.E. down there. and uh, But 5'11", 200-pound. Uh, and look, this kid played at weight. This isn't somebody who's transferring in who 
you know, kind of rode the bench, played three or four. He played consistently eight, nine, ten games a year for them the last three or four years. So he's a kid that comes in, and you touched on Noah Kim and that Heston Edwards kid too. I think he's going to be something too, Joe Chili. Six four, three fifteen, offensive tackle. The Heston Edwards kid that's transferring in. If I remember correctly, he's transferring in from a, a D two or D three school. If I remember correctly, um, yes, he's transferring in from Texas Pyramid Basin. I have. I'm pretty good with geography, but I have no freaking clue. I'm just going to assume like it's near Pyramid Texas because that's per, Pyramid High School. Wasn't that Friday? Pyramid night? High School. I think yes. So he he's coming from what? And if you can live in West Texas. You can live anywhere. <laughs> Man, I'm excited. Baseball, football, sand volleyball signed some really great girls, too. We can touch on that later next episode, man. But uh, real excited about where, where football and baseball are right now. And uh, ba- basketball is going to get there. Look, I'm not I'm not going to just buy, buy – we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Brighter days are ahead. Chili. You know, if if um, I'm just in Carolina Forest area. And I'm looking to purchase a Legacy 14 logger. Petey said we're going to get there, but where is there? Where should I go to, Joe? Where is the most annoying waitress in the whole world that I can get service from? The most annoying waitress. My daughter, Sarah Cashin at Hanley's Pub. Sarah's getting married in a month, by the way, and we're trying to uh, uh, get, get all this planned. It is, it, is, it is wild around this house right now. I mean, stress. <laughs> Stress is at a high level right now, trying to figure out dresses and all kind of stuff going on. But anyway, she works where you need to go to celebrate whatever it is that Coastal's involved with, whatever we got going on athletically. We're going to win, and when we do, you got to go to Hanley's Pub, CCU Class of 2002, the official pub of the Strut Podcast located in Carolina Forest. We will CCU at your local pub, Hanley's in Carolina Forest, 3873 Renee Drive, Myrtle Beach. 843-903-4904. Go see my daughter, Sarah. She'll take care of you. Hanley's Pub, the official pub of the Shrug Podcast. I'm actually planning on going to Hanley's for lunch tomorrow. I'm going to be in town, TD, for the Alumni Association meeting, and I'm going to stop at Hanley's for lunch tomorrow before that meeting. So I will be take there, a, Strut Nation and Teal take, Nation. T- take a picture, buddy. Take a picture. I'm going to do it. Now, i tell you what, though, Chili. If you're going to Hanley's and you really need some fantastic apparel, like Strud mm-hmm. Podcast merch. I tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to go down there and see old Bob Baldwin, class of 2011. When you think of Coastal and you think of marketing, think Coastal Marketing. Coastal Marketing is the official merchandise supporter, supporter of the Strut Podcast. Bob and his family are down there located at 475 Sandy Lane, Suite A in Surfside Beach, South Carolina, 29575. Give them a shout at 843-349-4848. Or check them out on the web at www.coastalmarketinggraphics.com. Again, when you think coastal and you think marketing, think coastal marketing. If I know Joe Cash, and I know Joe Cash has probably had a uh, putting green installed in his backyard in anticipation of the strut pub because he can't stand to lose, and he's actually been winning lately. But, Joe, don't overdo it. You've got bad knees. You've got bad other things, eyesight. <laughs> Go see Dr. David Turner, class of 97 of Impact Chiropractic. He's been practicing in Conway for 20 years. He believes in a proactive, wellness-based approach to achieving optimal health and function for the entire family. Joe, at Impact Chiropractic, they work hard to grow healthy kids rather than fix damaged adults. You just missed that cutoff, Joe. 210 Singleton Ridge Road in Conway, impactchiro.com. You can call them, TD, 843 
347-9103. Actually, you know what, Chili? I walked nine holes the other day at Camden Country Club, and from the three twos, I shot a legit 40, which is not bad for me. Oh, on a bad knee. Swung it well, hit it well. So uh, I, I'm, my knees are getting better all the time. Wait, wait, can't wait for that strut putt. You, you know, I tell you what, though, age. You know what, though? I tell you what, the prettiest 18 holes I have ever walked in my life in Myrtle Beach has been the Captain Hook Adventure Golf. That's the best. Only rivaled by Jungle Safari, Shipwreck Island, and Jurassic Golf. But only, I tell you what, though, you know, we're very grateful that the folks over at Myrtle Beach Family Golf are a, a sponsor of the the Strut Podcast. Again, operated and managed by Coastal Alumni. Golf fun for everyone. I mentioned those four mini golf facilities, which are Captain Hook's Adventure Golf, Jungle Safari, Jurassic Golf, Shipwreck Island Adventure Golf, where you can find Joe's ball in the, in the water over there, and Cane Pass Driving Range, where Chili That's took out fired. a golf cart going by. It's true. Hey, if you want to, anywhere along Ocean Boulevard and 17s, where you're going to find these fantastic facilities, again, get to one ahead of the Strut Putt because they'll be – Scars and scrapes on the turf from Joe and Chili trying to figure out their game. Did you, if you think you're so good at strut putt golf or whatever, what you should call it, Bald Bald Bob Baldwin, because I know you're thinking of coastal and your marketing needs because you want to get how good you are at miniature golf. Joe, I feel like if we called Mrs. Danley, I think she may tell us a different story. However, Definitely. think coastal marketing when you go see Bob Baldwin at Coastal Marketing because they are the official merchandise supporter of the Strut Podcast, 475, Sandy Lane, Suite A, Surfside, 29575. TD, you can call them and have, like, TD is better at miniature hey, golf than the everybody toss, else. The Strut Putt hats, the, the Toss 48 hats, but we're going to come up with a baseball hat. Bob actually called me. He listed podcast today. He said, man, we got to come up with a baseball hat for the podcast for this spring. So they I'm circling up this. Hat. So we got a baseball hat. We're going to work on a baseball hat. We're going to work on a Toss 48 hat and then a Strut Putt hat. Or wristbands or something. I don't know what we're going to come up with. But I'll tell you what, though. You know who's not far from Coastal Marketing? Our man, Dan Sign, right there. He's class minute, 2001. Bob Baldwin, oh. TD, you got to call him, which I'm sure you did, at 843-349-4848. Or maybe you went to his website, coastalmarketinggraphics.com. Forgive me, I was finishing the plug. Well, I'd, I'd already plugged him once, but that's okay. We'll plug him twice. Did we? <laughs> Clearly, I was not yeah. paying attention. Hey, that's our stuff. This basketball you, game is very close right now. But I tell you who's paying attention, especially to the marketing needs and real estate needs of all of Coastal alumni, Teal Nation and Strut Nation, and that's Dan Sign. Again, CCU Class 2001. Dan Sign at Dunes Realty. Real estate done right. Down there at 128 Atlantic Avenue in Merle's Inlet. You can go to dansignreally.com or give him a call at 888-889-889. Nine three one two. Guys, we are at just a few seconds left in the basketball game. Coastal's at the line, Joe. I think it was seventy five seventy when I saw it last. Is that what you got? Yes, seventy six seventy one. Under thirty seconds left. Yeah, it'll be tough. Well, who, who who was that? What was the score? Monroe is leading by five with about twenty three seconds left. Yeah, and they're going to the line too. Double bonus time. Hey, keep fighting, boys. Keep fighting. Fight the good fight shots. Let's go. Better days ahead. What? Yeah. Better days ahead. Time for a shot up. That's Time right. Time for a shot up. Let's go. Baseball next week. God bless America.